Andreas Wollenweide and Friends. Flight Feats and Root Hands. That's the name of this most beautiful jazz song. Probably a decent way to wind down from what for many obviously would have been quite a weekend. First real long weekend in a long time, certainly making up for what would have been for the most part a lousy festive season where there was no alcohol. At least you could still go out. At least you could still enjoy your liquor, albeit you couldn't take it home. Not that many of you would not have tried that. That's obvious. We live in South Africa. Many things are possible. Good evening, everybody. The 5th of April is the end of the long weekend. I trust that you are all well, that for those who subscribe are spiritually revived. And because you would have missed it this time last year, it certainly, to the extent that it obviously could, still with the restrictions in place, would have done something and gone some way in making up for what can never be made up for, but making up for lost time. This evening, hashtag Weekend Wrap. One, former President Zuma and the ANC-NEC. I remember in 2005, the headline once read, Fire me if you dare. Not so long ago, City Press ran a headline, Arrest me if you will. Well, he was fired. Question remains is, will he be arrested? That's a question on everybody's Lips, certainly our guest, Mr. Oliver Dixon, who's a political commentator, broadcaster, debater, and a daily maverick opinionist, will have some comment about that. He will also have some comment, and I'll just give you a figure, 400 million. He knows what that is. I'll also give you another statement, an experiment gone wrong. He knows what all these things mean. So let's talk about those three things. Very politically heavy conversation this evening. Oliver, good, e- good evening. Good evening, Sangeza. How are you? I'm well, man. How's it? I'm fantastic. Good to be with you guys again. Thank you so much for indulging us. Let's talk about the failed experiment somewhere in the Cape. <laughs> um, look, uh, Tony Leon was right. Uh, Musa Mamane, in fact, was a failed experiment of the Democratic Alliance. Uh, the DA has said so, not just now, but many times before. And of course, not in so many words, right? Uh, Helen Zilla, shortly after Musa Mamani resigned as party leader and resigned from the party itself, Helen Zilla did intimate and say, look, we thought with Musa Mamani we had a plan that was going to work for the country. It just did not work in the way we thought it would. And they're right. Musa Mamani was uh, poised to be the black leader that can unite the country across racial divides, but can get the Democratic Alliance to appeal to um, uh, a demographic beyond their white demographic without losing their white demographic. They were wrong uh, because we saw what Freedom Front did when the Democratic Alliance started leaning more and more towards the center and it away picked up from numbers, the right. Yeah. Right, Freedom, uh, the Freedom Front Club picked up numbers uh, and that was as a direct result of Musa Mamani being the leader. Not because Musa Mamani is a bad leader, but simply because Musa Mamani could not appeal to the narrow nationalist uh, ideals and political aspirations or political needs. So on that account, the national agenda the in this country, sorry to interrupt, the national agenda in this country is very much alive, clearly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and, and look, uh, oftentimes when we speak about nationalism, we think extremes. We think we think Freedom Front Plus and we think Inkata uh, uh, Freedom Party when we speak about Zulu nationalism in, 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 in that instance, right? Those are two parties on the extreme end of the nationalist uh, agenda in this country. But we often forget that the Democratic Alliance itself had a nationalist ideal. 
the Democratic Alliance was able to attract voters that were white but not Afrikaans, that were white and claimed to be liberal and some libertarian at their core but uh, couldn't find a home elsewhere. And so the Democratic Alliance was that. It had a nationalist uh, a, a politics agenda. Uh, and Musa Mamani just wasn't the figurehead suited for that. Not to say that uh, I'm saying Musa Mamani is a terrible leader, has terrible politics. That's a separate debate from saying, was he the person that could take the DA where it needed to go without losing its core voter base? And in this country, I think what we've learned from the Democratic Alliance is that you can't reconcile uh, black voters in the same base with white voters that have different needs the different different political views and a different agenda altogether they will necessarily clash because they are diametrically opposed to what uh to the in the direction that they seek to be going in in, in the light of just that last point i'm understanding it at least the implication thereof to suggest something along these lines and please embellish it as you will or take away from it as you will to the extent that the voters will align to color and experience, which is not an altogether irreconcilable reasoning why you would vote that way. It's a fair reason why you would do yeah. that. But to the extent that is the case, would it then simply mean our voting patterns, one, are not about to change? To the extent that they do change, it's literally from one so-called black or African party to the next or so-called white party to the next, DA Freedom Front, as you would have suggested, or let's say ANC, EFF, EFF to ANC, one. But two, and which is more important, it might altogether render stillborn the idea that independent candidates might then make meaningful inroads or gain sufficient traction. I'm asking this question, especially in the light of the judgment by Justice Madlanga in August last year that says independent candidates can stand for office. That will not clearly work if then there is still the nationalist way of looking at leadership or looking for political solutions to South Africa's challenges. How do you respond I, to that? I think uh, voter sentiment in South Africa is not monolithic across voting season. That is to say, I think people vote with a different set of questions in mind when they vote in a local government election versus when they vote in a national government election. Musa Mane had a tremendous failure to grow the party. In fact, the party shrunk in the last national government election of 2019. But what we saw in 2016 is that the Democratic Alliance exploded in terms of growth uh, in, in, in many municipalities and in many metros and districts. Um, and Musa Mamane was the leader of the party then as well. So is it the case that Musa Mamane was good at local government elections and just terrible at national elections? Perhaps. I don't know. But what I can, what I'm reading from that, however, is that someone who votes thinking, will my municipality be able to deliver water to me, is not thinking along a racialized line uh, in when they vote in the local government election. But when they vote in the national government election, they think, will my land be taken away from me? versus will I get land if I vote for this party or the other? Um, and I think in that instance, people ask different sets of questions and don't necessarily vote across or in line with racialized identities when voting in local government election. Of course, that isn't uniformly the case because the Freedom Front Plus is strongest in the free state and in the Northern Cape. There's a reason for that. Um, Nkata Freedom Party is strongest in KZN and in uh, uh, metros and municipalities there. There's a reason for that. Um, 
But to answer your question more pointedly, I do think that the stillborn phenomena that you're speaking about does give inroads for uh, uh, independent candidates because I think independent candidates can appeal much easier to a ward, for instance, uh, that has 2,000 households because they can go door to door by themselves in those 2,000 households but can't do apply the same campaigning mechanism when they're thinking about a national government election where independents could stand uh, for, for a very long time, right? Um, I think what happens in this instance um, is that local government elections allows for communities to choose from those amongst themselves and not necessarily choose from the political parties that come and promise them groceries and knock on their doors. And I do think we'll see a shift in that, where we previously saw the EFF become kingmakers in municipalities in 2016. We will see nameless, organizationless, and unorganized individuals become kingmakers in many municipalities, in many metros, and uh, hopefully that will have a ripple effect through the country that has political parties deeply introspecting. Let's take some calls, please, everybody. Johannesburg, 714-2006. My guest this evening in analysis is Mr. Oliver Dixon, political commentator, broadcaster. I will call him a debater, but I'm not so sure how far that would stand if he and I were to go one-on-one. He knows who kings are in our university debating days, but, of course, he has more than thrashed me in the writing space. He's an opinionist with the Daily Maverick. Mr. Oliver Dixon is taking calls immediately after the short sting. What I propose to do, if we do have that demand, just take calls specifically on this issue because we do have a bit of leverage in relation to time. We're taking this segment until quarter two. So let's talk about, ostensibly anyway, that Tony Leon says Musi Maimane was an experiment that went wrong. And obviously, subsequently, Musi Maimane has responded to that, saying that he's no science experiment, particularly the political undertones, the historical undertones in that ex- in those words. A white man referring to a black man or an African man in experimental terms, that went wrong. Think how deep that is. Forget Leon for a moment. Forget my money. Think history. Think how we have come as a society for, however, so somebody to think it is even appropriate to use such words in political discourse in 2021. After the break, we continue the conversation. Johannesburg, 714-2006. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Of course, I confirm the rules are nothing more than 60 seconds. If you wish to drop us a voice note on our WhatsApp facility, by all means, you know what to do there. Drop us a message then, if you will. Of course, right now we are taking calls and we've got the lines flashing. So again, let's take some five calls specifically, please, on the issue of my money, Tony Lee, on the DA, an experiment and white men referring to an African man as an experiment. Worse, that went wrong. The political implications of the statement for the DA in local government, the political implication for the party, its stability, and what, if anything, Mr. John Steenhazen will say, just to establish some sense of decency around these scores, these political scores or these political undertones, and more than that, what this will do for race relations in this country if we employ a bit of a historical context to what these words Mind me and everybody, let's go. Letang in Kuruman, you're a first-time caller. This is what we do to and for first-time callers. Welcome to the platform. <laughs> Letang, good evening. You have 90 seconds. When the bell goes, we will cut you off. Go hey, for good it. evening, uh, Songhez. How are you doing, my man? I'm well, sir. How's it? I'm well, thanks, man. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I have mixed emotions with regards to the issue at hand. Uh, firstly, it being a, a, a very sensitive issue with regards to South African history, with regards to what we have known to have been happening during the years. But now, my thing is, I've had very, very utmost respect for Tony Leon, given the fact that uh, um, he's he's one of the people that uh, coordinated the, the the creation of the DA, and uh, uh, the, you, you remember the, the new national party and all this kind of thing. Uh, when when they were new national party, from them being a new national party and the other party that they, they changed the name to become the DA, I've had so much respect for him. But now. The the, the 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 problem that I have in mind is that I've always had this thing in my mind that white people normally does not change normally like they I, I I tend to want to believe within myself that even if we see the good ones there is a point in, in time where their whiteness reveals itself so I've never thought of telling you to become that to to say such but I'm kind of not disappointed that it happened eventually so to me i i have mixed emotions i've had respect for him but for with the issue at hand i'm very very disappointed in the man and uh i feel that the uh, sure thank you so much it's pretty weird to call you catch you short tongue, but i get the gist of your point and i think it was well articulated let's go to a gentleman on I don't even have to introduce him. You will know who he is by merely him saying this. And I bet you this is what I'm going to say. Good evening, Songhezo, and to your guest there. Go for it. <laughs> Good evening, Songhezo. Good evening to your guest and to my fellow listeners. <laughs> nearly got it right. KGM, go for it. Um, look, I'm of the view that we are hypocrites of note. Um, we We have hero worshipped uh, lies that we purport to be the truth we believe that uh, people are not what they are even when they tell us that they are what they are or who they are i don't think tony leon owes anybody an explanation he's he's presented himself not now very well before and and the point for my for my contribution is the impunity not just that of Tony Leon, the impunity that politicians have, the manipulation that politicians have over us. Now we're getting all emotional and all that. And let me tell you this song as on your guest. There is nothing that is going to happen to Tony Leon. Tony Leon said what black people have been saying when Musi took over at the D8. Musi was in denial. Tony Leon is just reminding him. And now we're getting worked up. This is the impunity we've given them. So why are we acting surprised? Mm. Sonia, sir, mm. thanks for taking my call. Thank you so much, KGM. What are you doing in King Williamstown? Okay, very good. Very good. <laughs> we appreciate that. Plenty of work to be done in that province, that is for sure. Anonymous from KZN. Good evening. Thank you, Sangeso. Hope you had a fabulous uh, long weekend. I did, Mama. Thank uh, you. And I'm sorry about your ordeal about the burglary. But nevertheless, I just want to contribute to the Appreciate show that. here to say, you know, when the ID stood for election as independent Democrats, every one of us voted for the independent Democrats. But in a short period of time, within five years, she let everyone down 
and she joined the DA. Right, and so everyone started joined the DA because thinking the DA was a, uh, you know uh, constructive in um, in nation building, but the DA in KZN didn't work at all in KZN because we never have the DA. When you go to the DA members, they tell you to go to the ANC members because the ANC is running KZN, so and they wouldn't assist you. So therefore, uh, we uh, we lost out there. And uh, with, with all due respect, with Mr. Musi Memani, the DA used him uh, to get black votes. That's why they, they put him there. He's a well-spoken person. He speaks well. I have nothing against the Mr. Musi Mimani, but he was working according to the DA's way of uh, thinking. And the DA is also was a racist. I'm sorry to say that, the DA, because in KZN, the DA is a racist in KZN. So yeah. that's all I can say. Plenty to so be said in the political space. I'm going to vote for the independent. If there is an independent party... I will vote for that independent party. And you know, the small parties with one voice, they should not stand for election because they got no voice for the people. Very well. Thank much you appreciate so much. for your thoughts, Mama. Anonymous in KZN, always on the dial. Oh, the name, Lesejo? Can't read that. Whisper to my ear, please, before I go on. In Port Elizabeth. Okay. Ulesejo, for some reason, is just playing tricks on me. She broke the word Ngonde up like into three words. And I'm like, how on earth does one begin to pronounce that? Babungonde, good evening. Thank you so much for calling us. Welcome. Thank, thank, thanks so much. So I'll try and be very brief. Mm. Um, the DA subscribed to this ideology, which I'll, I'll describe now. It's a liberal ideology. Simply put, in life, you succeed because of your inherent abilities and strengths. Corollary of that is in life, you fail because of inherent deficit and weaknesses. Now, with Musmai Mani, he did not have a political clout, so to speak, mm. like your Joel Saramani before and uh, your Nosimo Balintela, your Wampele your Rampela, even Patricia DeLille. Right now, to me, the DA will, in fact, my money, that project that Tony is talking about, it was dead on arrival because of political cloud and of the fact that the DA will not remove that shaker of supremacy. Thank you, Songeto. Thank you so much, Babu Ngonde. Mosi Maimane, therefore, was always doomed to fail. As it were, dead on arrival was the experiment stroke project hatched by the DA at the time. Felix in Elspreet. Good evening, Fongezo. Happy Easter. Thank you, sir. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I think I understand this thing in a, in a different way. You see, DA has been seen as a racist party. And they have reached a point before the, the, the appointed uh, Musi. They have reached a point in which they are thinking, what can we do to change this perception? What is it that we can do to attract black voters into this, um, into this party? And they feel that they need a project, an experiment, in which they are going to lure in a well-spoken, a well-articulated, a presentable black uh, that can, they can parachute or they can promote to the head of the party. And Musi Maimani fits the bill. He is well-spoken. And he is actually raising a biracial family, which is very good for, for the DA in that sense. And mm. that was why they, they, they feel that Muslim Maimani is going to do the party a lot of good, attract a lot of black voters to the party. 
showing that actually DA is not is a non-racial party. But that experiment went wrong. It's really not because of Muslim Imani. It's because of something else. And if you if you look at it properly, they could have taken any black. They could have taken you, Songhezo. They could have taken me. Anybody that can fit the bill of being well articulated to try and launder the image of DA as a non as a, as a non-racial party. Mm. And that was the problem. Sure, let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Felix. I like how you presented your points. Certainly very difficult to argue with that. Sakile in Durban, let's take this call and have Clyde, um, I'm sorry, Clyde, goodness, Oliver respond to just this DA matter and then we'll obviously put that matter to bed in the proverbial sense. And then we'll focus on MEC Panyaza Lusufi and the scandal around Fun 31 million rand tender. Sakile. Yes, uh, and your case, sure, sure. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the, the 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 company called South Twenty Thirty Two, which is basically going to be saved or bailed out by Fcom, and uh, and the and the argument is Fcom depends on that company um, for coal. You know, if we that company doesn't supply coal at that power station, things might go wrong for all of us. This Australian company will basically get the Evergreen contract, effectively. 14 years, I read. But the interesting part is not this company. It's the ownership of this company. As much as it is an Australian-owned company, the BEE Consortium is owned by Timban. Owned by? uh, Timban. Timban. Timban and Shanduga. Merged in 2015, I guess. Um, they formed one company, and our president sold his stake. You know, it's a long story, but short story is Pemban and our president. They have a a strong relationship. So I worry about this because you know, considering our recent past, our recent history, we might see the repeat. Because I think now it's sophisticated, but I think I still think that. It's still the same thing, what we've been seeing. Very well. Let's leave it there, Sakile. Um, an ESCOM story, which will probably need a discussion on its own. The apparent, certainly, conflict of interest in what Sakile has at the stage described. I'd have to dig up a little bit more if I am to have a conversation around that, predicating on this story. To the extent that we might go back, Oliver, let's talk about the implications of the failed experiment to which Tony Leon refers to Musim Maimane. Here's a question, whilst you will also respond to the points that the listeners have raised. Clearly, we would be in a different position, I dare put it to you, had Tony Leon said something like this. We took a chance on Musi, and it didn't deliver the results. And the elections are what we use as a benchmark as to whether or not that chance we took succeeded or failed. We wouldn't be having this conversation if he had expressed his views in those words. Right or wrong? Um, so, so Nezo, what, what we must also maybe take into consideration here, and I think um, it's only fair journalistically that we um, recognize that there's a lot of unknown about what is being said here. You and I know that Tony Leon said that Musimamani was a failed experiment, but we don't know what else he had said because the book where this reference is made in has not yet been published. Similarly, 
uh, this is something that was the headline of the article of the person, of the, uh, the author that reviewed uh, Tony Leon's book. So perhaps the explanation you're talking about that uh, would have been a better phrase or a better way to express this, perhaps that does exist in the book. Um, and I, I think it's only fair, perhaps, that we wait for the book to well, be Well, to the extent that it does exist, is that a better way then of engaging this context of Musi Maimane ultimately not delivering the bacon that was hoped by the establishment, however the establishment within the party, old God, might be defined as? No, but this has, like I said uh, at the start of this, this has been said before. The party, uh, not just uh, 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 Musi Maimane himself, but Helen Villa made it very clear that, look, we thought Musa Mamani was going to be this transcendent leader. We thought that he was able, that he was going to be able to, uh, 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 you know, tr- take the party beyond the racial divide. We also thought that he was going to be able to grow the party, and the election was the benchmark for that, and it just did not happen. And I think it's time for the party to move on to another leader that can do exactly that. That's a, this is an explanation that the party has given before. Is it an explanation we like? Maybe not. Depends on sure, how you feel sure. about the DA. Uh, but is it an explanation that is factually correct? Yeah, sure. it is in fact factually correct. Musmamane failed to grow the Democratic Alliance. I accept that. I accept that. I'm just going to read the sort of executive summary of a particular headline from which we're basing this conversation. The headline is Panyaza Lusufi in hot water as secret tender fraud recording is leaked. Easter Sunday won't be a very joyous time for Panyaza Lusufi and the Gauteng Education MEC is facing some very serious allegations once more. Fresh from a scandal that revealed his department wasted 431 million in sanitizing empty schools, the latest fiasco concerns a recording which which allegedly exposes the politician for tender corruption. Either way, there seems to be now a script that is playing itself out again, the MEC and corruption following a script at large of the party. Your thoughts on this? You know, again, I really really think that specificity matters. Um, And so I read the City Press article uh, that made this expose, if we Mm -hmm. can call it that. And I read it at length and I read it several times over. And it seems as though that the, the author is perhaps um, a very, uh, I would say, not very generous in terms of expressing the full length of what was said in this recording. Remember, this is a recording that no one but the City Press journalist who wrote the article has heard. You and I mm-hmm. have not heard it and we're going off of this article. And from what I read in the article, Yusufi Panyaza, said a lot more other than just that particular quote. And I think context matters uh, because I'd like to know what was said after that particular quote. I can tell you what was said before that, according to the City Press article. What was said before that was that business forums, as well as a a, 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 a union of sorts, and as well as uh, um, you know community members called Yusufi Panyaza to a meeting. They were unhappy about developments happening in a certain school. What Panyaza then said to them is that I can't involve myself Intenders. I am not a, 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 a accounting official. I'm a politician. But what I can do is I can inform you of when such tenders exist so that you can apply for them. The people who do have the power and should make it known are people such as the SGB. These are people who sit amongst you. And these are people who should tell you about these tenders so that there's an open opportunity for you guys to empower yourself. And what I will do to empower you is tell you about it insofar as I know about it. I don't know about them all, but I do know about it. In fact, uh, every school in Gauteng gets a grant of or gets a subsidy from the government of 3 million rand. 
And if you put all of those 3 million rands together across all the schools, poverty should not be an issue in the community, especially in communities where people would like to uh, render services, sell goods, and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and, but th- then he spoke on a matter of, on an issue of trust. And he says, uh, and that's where the context then becomes limited, Songhezo. Uh, but I do think it is worrying that a politician can speak about secrecy and trust in the, in the instance of tender and public procurement. That should never be a determining factor of whether or not uh, uh, we engage with the state or how we engage with the state. I'm worried about that. So I will take the line that the Democratic Alliance, where the Democratic Alliance asked Misuki to account for what was said and to tell us what was said. Um, I will not take the line of the EFF that asked for him to resign because I think a lot more needs to be explained. But I, what I will ask for is for the city press to make this recording available so that you and I can assess ourselves in the full scope of this recording and conversation what was being said, in what context was it being said, and to who it was being said. But I do think there are red flags in this instance that we need to raise our eyebrows on. This, however, is a separate matter from the 400 million rand mm-hmm. sanitization and bid vest issue. By the way, the bid vest issue of sanitization is what precipitated this community uh, uh, meeting, right? In that instance, I think Sufi has failed to account for his uh, uh, oversight, uh, glaring oversight issues. There. Yeah, empty schools. I heard him... I, I heard him speak on an interview on a, on a, on another talk station where he was speaking to uh, Faith Mangope Iman Rapeti, and they asked him to account, and he said, just give me time, an investigation is underway, but I have sus- suspended officials within the department who were unable to account for this. Now, it's been quite a while uh, since this investigation has been ongoing. Uh, forensics investigations and auditing should not take this long, especially on a priority project such as the sanitization of schools. Uh, if the department took it serious, they should have dedicated enough resources for it to it to expedite it. There should have been an investigation that should have concluded in two to three months. We are two to three months later and still no report has been uh, made available for us to be able to assess it. Um, and I do think that Banyaz Alisufi himself, until he's been cleared uh, as not having been incompetent, not corrupt, I'm not saying he was corrupt, but I do think that he, yes. he's over, he's glaring oversight shortfalls points to incompetence. Until he has been cleared to not be incompetent, then he can resume office again. And I see the ANC is in fashion of having Quaidus step aside. I think this is a prime example of where the party's integrity matters, where a cater should be stepping aside. And in relevant part, this is what the article refers to as that recording, which is now the basis of the well, all the headlines and the talk about Panyaza Lusufi ostensibly being in hot water for a secret tender fraud recording, open quote, I should know whether I can trust you, as you know how tenders come out. I trust Comrade Mashishi. I won't risk my future without knowing who to trust. Let's trust each other so that we can all get empowered. That is, at least insofar as it relates to this article, the impugned recording against Lusufi, which is now why he's in hot water. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Colin in Cape Town. Hi there, Songhezo. Hi, Colin. And how do you guess? Do you know the, the old saying is, if a politician shakes your hand, check your hand to see if there's not a finger missing. You can't trust them. Tony Leon... They actually wanted Musimani to grow um, the DA, to get in all votes, votes, votes. 
Now, that was a strategy used. And when the job was not done, it turned sour. Now, imagine now if Musimani was, uh, he won six, seven, eight percent votes at that election. I guarantee you, he would have still been at the DA. But he did so badly. His job was in jeopardy. So that's where the problem comes in. They took a chance on him to grow the DA by at least six, eight, ten percent with Musimani which never, ever happened. And as soon as everybody knows about that and listens to that, it was not a racial issue. It was, get votes, Musi, get votes. Grow this party. And when the job wasn't done, that was the end of it. Thank you. It's quick amazing. question, quick question, Colin. What's Musi's surname? Hello? Quick question to you. I don't think I heard you correctly. What is Musi's surname? Oh, yes, yes, very well. Yeah. On that account, do you not think perhaps Musi might have been hamstrung by Helen Ziller and her continued assaults as to the integrity of Musi's office? Every now and then she tweeted, tweeted something stupid, ridiculous, and very racially Correct. in tone. And all of that was never lending Musi Maimana the kind of institutional support to grow the party. Yeah. Now, um, Sengeza, Musi climbed, he climbed the ladder very quick in the DA. And Helen Ziller stepped aside and they wanted the growth. He was mayor, he was this, he was that, the leader. So Ziller said that. But when the results came out after Musi, then, then you heard Ziller big mouth come in. Look what we did. We did worse than ever. That is what happened. But if Musi Mani grew uh, the DA by 8 or 6 or 10%, he would have still been there and that would have shut Helen Ziller's mouth. Very well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Colin. Oliver Dixon, final comment on that. I think I think Colin is right. I just want to correct Musi was never mayor anywhere. <laughs> correct. Uh, but he's, he's right. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. If the DA grew from its 6% to its 8%, um, Helen Ziller, well, not Helen Ziller alone, but the party and the leaders around Musi in the party would have said, hold on, this is working. Let's give it a few more years. Helen Ziller, however, interestingly, came out in Musi Mamane's defense and said, what we tried to do with Musi was jump three election cycles in one go. And that is the failure of the experiment. And that is true. Uh, Musi was uh, set up, for instance, by the party's over-ambitious election targets to fail. He necessarily would have failed by that, but would have been a different picture and conversation if he grew the party from its 6% to 8 maybe even 9 10%, uh, and a different conversation would have been had. Uh, but that didn't grow. It, that didn't happen. In fact, the party uh, shrunk from the previous amount of seats it had in the first administration versus the second mm-hmm. administration. I'll give you one take. Mr. Zuma, do you anticipate he may get arrested? No, I don't. Um, and this is not because I think the court the Constitutional Court is spineless. Um, this is purely because I think that there isn't a jurisprudential culture in this country of sending people to jail for contempt. Um, uh, how, how we handle contempt in this country has been corrective rather than punitive. 
Um, it's very rare that people are actually sent to jail for, for, for contempt. The only difference in this instance um, is that uh, the corrective measure would no longer exist in this instance because it's not contempt of court of an ongoing case in the court. This would have been contempt of court on an instruction to appear before the commission. The commission would have been done uh, by the by the time uh, any sort of corrective action or measures uh, are considered or, or, or orders down to Zuma. Uh, in fact, uh, the commission itself is in its last month of oral hearings um, and would not be able to uh, have Zuma appear before the commission. So I don't know what uh, the outcome there will be. Politically, however, for the sake of uh, for the sake of uh, you know protecting the uh, uh, the courts against future delinquent uh, uh, actors and future uh, 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 high office bearing uh, officials from disrespecting the courts, I think Zuma should be sent to jail. But what should be done often is not exactly what does in fact happen. We are still taking your calls. The segment is hashtag the weekend. Rap former President Zuma, the ANC, the NEC, step aside, Zonda Commission arrest. Yeah, there seems to be a lot to talk about within the ANC. So if you want to offer some opinions on that, very quickly, please, Johannesburg 714-2006. I think we can't really pursue the conversation around Panyaza Lusufi simply because there just isn't much that we can hold on to, at least from a factual basis upon which then we can launch a debate as to the implications of those facts. We certainly have exhausted the DA story in relation to Tony Leon's book, future tense and what he described Musi Maimani as nothing but an experiment that went wrong and of course those of you who are on the road who have just returned who had a festive season in the Easter period we'd be more than happy to take your calls because surely this Easter is the first since 2019 and in many respects the Easter would have covered some ground not all in what a nation would have missed out on a Christmas break after this very short sting we are taking a couple more calls Drop us a voice note or two, please. Under 60 seconds, certainly we will play it if you abide by the rules of no background noise or echoes or any funny things in the background. And we will read just now as well the SMSs that have since come through. On SAFM. We're carrying on the conversation, hashtag Weekend Wrap, with Mr. Oliver Dixon, political commentator, broadcaster, debater, and a daily Maverick opinionista. If you wish to call now is as good a time. I'm going to ask him to wrap up this conversation before we move on to the next. Let's talk about Easter. What can we take away from this Easter break insofar as it relates to South Africans respecting the COVID regulations, insofar as the indulgence fuel that Mr. Ramaphosa gave South Africans, no out-of-sight consumption of liquor, but only on-site, and to the extent that we have responded in the positive frame of, one, enjoying ourselves, taking the necessary breaks, but also knowing that all of that is happening within COVID, and of course the spiritual revival that would come of an Easter break first time in two years. Oliver. I, I think so, Nezo. Firstly, <laughs> I, before I talk about what we as citizens are doing um, and what we should not be doing, I want to talk about what government is getting wrong. And yeah, I want to point specifically to the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Minister Nkosazana Tamini Zuma. So, Nezo, I don't know if you watched the briefing um, the day after the president gave the speech announcing that there will be adjustments to uh, lockdown level one. Um, and the following day, the minister had to give a press briefing explaining uh, those 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 differences that have been gazetted. I did it now, because I, I don't have a TV, I don't have a laptop to watch it on. It was all stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. What did she say in well, the implications well, I, thereof? Yeah, I, I, I got to watch it. But what was interesting is that I got to read 
the gazetted regulations before the briefing happened. And, I, and by the time I watched the briefing, I know exactly what was gazetted. And the ministers did an incredibly poor job of explaining the adjustments to the regulation. Now, I'll give you an example of where she got it wrong. Now, our regulation, for instance, about venue capacity said that you're not allowed to have more than 500 people in an indoor venue insofar as uh, the capacity remains at 50%. That is to say, your venue must have a capacity of 1,000 people for you to allow 500 people into your event, into your venue, right? Because at 50%, that because at 500, you would still be at the 50% capacity, mm. but 500 is the ceiling. Mm. And mm. in the other instance, she said, uh, and the ceiling for outdoor events is 1,000, also kept at a 50% capacity of the venue in an outdoor venue instance. What Minister Ngosazana Tamini did in that instance was go on national TV and say, look, the limits for events and venues are 500 if it's indoor and 1,000 if it's outdoor. Now, that is not the same as what I had previously described. Uh, it is dangerously misleading because people with a venue capacity of 700 or even just 500 would allow 500 people into it, right? Um, and, and, and because that's how it was explained. She got it wrong in that instance. In the second instance, the, the Gazette regulations adjustment had no mention of the transportation of alcohol having been prohibited. But the minister went on air and said the, prohib- the, the transportation of alcohol has been prohibited. And when the liquor industry took her on on that, uh, four or five hours later, she changed her stance on that, but also then poorly explained the change on the stance and even got that wrong. So there's a deficit uh, of, of competence and understanding in the office of the uh, Minister of Cooperative Governance. And because the buck stops with the minister, I definitely think that we need a new minister in that position, specifically because we're going to be living under these circumstances and conditions for for at least another three to five years. And if you get simple things, such as the explanation of regulations incorrect uh, time, uh, time and time again, then you should not be the official and you should not be the politician leading that project of our state. Yeah, this um, is where you recognize that Jackson Tempo had a strong role to play in terms of understanding, first of all, government's position and communicating it appropriately in terms of how then he would have handled certain sticky positions as the ones you're describing. Hold the thought. 2054, everybody, Mr. Oliver Dixon is out in six minutes. I have time for literally two calls. Kenneth in Cape Town, first time caller. Go for it, Kenneth. Indeed. Yes, I agree. I just wanted to add my two cents on the D.A. Musi Maimani story. Mm. Um, what I think went wrong is um, the D.A.'s policies on race, on uh, land reform, on affirmative action um, were not palatable to the uh, black population, and they tried to sell that by putting a black face to present those issues. But I think it did not work. Uh, and I don't think that says anything about Musi Maimani's uh, capability as a leader. It just goes to say that perhaps the DA's policies do not resonate with the black masses. And, and, and that's what I think went wrong for the DA. Thank you. C- certainly. Thank you so much there, Ken. Short and sweet. Keep calling like this. We will always take you to uh, another first-time caller. We're getting a lot of these first-time callers. Clearly, the viewpoint is doing something right in four ways just down the road. Aubrey, welcome. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I just want also to raise my view on the Ace Makashule saga. 
Yeah. Uh, right um, over the weekend, yeah. Oh, yeah. Over the weekend, uh, that's it. He's planning a national lockdown. I don't know what that's for. I just want to find out. Maybe there's something that I'm missing there. Um, he, he is actually accused of some corruption or some corruption of some kind. Um, based on my own view, um, he was asked to step down or he's being asked to step down. Then from the way I understand it, uh, the president, uh, former president, Mr. Mbeki, was recalled. And then he was so disciplined enough to step down. And then Jacob Zuma also uh, uh, had the same fate and also disciplined enough to step down. What is he, uh, Mr. Ismail, afraid of? Whereby he wants to take the whole South African down with him. I just don't understand that one. Just It's only that I don't understand. Maybe somebody can ex- sort of empty it a little bit for us. For sure, Mr. Dixon will respond to the extent that he can. But this is clearly a response that all pe- people in the political space who tend to get themselves in hot water with the establishment or even with the masses, they will always rely on a segment of the masses for support. Because however so, it muddies the waters, it emboldens them to almost dare the establishment of the state to take its most stringent action. We saw this happen some 20 years ago, or no, not 20 years ago, about 15 years ago, when the then deputy president of the country found himself in some trouble with the NPA, and he, he got going on the ground with the masses, and he delivered him to the union buildings. Nothing new here. Oliver? Um, you know, legal reporting in this country is incredibly poor, and it saddens me because we have the situation we now have with Ace Marashula where there's a strong misunderstanding of the facts. Let's be clear. Ace Marashula is not facing corruption charges. Ace Marashula is facing charges uh, with related to the asbestos uh, uh, project uh, that happened under his term as premier in in um, uh, the free state that involves two companies. Um, and one of those companies is owned by uh, Edwin Saudi as well as a gentleman, Ego uh, Ignatius, who unfortunately passed away in 2017. What Ace Marashile is being blamed for in that instance is uh, oversight uh, issues. Uh, the court, that at least the charges he's facing, are saying that he failed in his oversight duties. Now, um, is that the same as corruption charges? No, it's not. Um, and so I think the ANC is finding itself in a position where it now has to deal with everybody facing all sorts of charges, not just corruption charges related. And that list, as published by the Sunday Independent or the Star a few days ago, uh, runs over more than 70 uh, ANC cadres who are in uh, various PECs as well as NECs that are currently serving in government, that are currently serving in formal party structures who are not being asked uh, to, to step aside um, and, 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 and to step down. Um, and the inconsistency therein is one that is going to get the ANC in trouble. If the ANC is serious about uh, cleaning itself up, then it must not fight Saror Ramaphosa's proxy wars, because this is ultimately about getting rid of Ace before the NGC, because that's where Ace as the secretariat of the party, will be able to defeat Saror Ramaphosa at the NGC. The absence of Saror Ramaphosa, or the absence of Ace is critically important for the continuation of, 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 of uh, Saro Ramaphosa as the party leading country president, uh, with the Ismarashule uh, is not present there. Um, and by the way, uh, the ANC has created this false dichotomy supported by the commentaries where there's a good ANC that exists and a bad ANC that exists. Mm, and for mm, some mm. reason, they have faces. 
Ramaphosa on the one hand and Ace on the one hand. And I've got news for you. There's no such thing as a good and a bad ANC. There is just the ANC. And we must be serious. And is the ANC good or bad? Party. Is the ANC good or bad? Now that we know there's no good. By all measures and standards which you should measure <laughs> a, demo, a democracy, the ANC has failed. Certainly. Thank you so much, Clyde. Why do I keep saying Clive? Sorry, Oliver Dixon, political <laughs> commentator, broadcaster, debater, and a daily member opinionist. Is certainly your thoughts. Just the fact that you've taken the time to prepare and engage as you have. Somebody who does one's homework. Certainly, it's difficult to engage and refute because they are schooled on the subject. And your time this evening is thoroughly appreciated, Oliver. Thank you for having me and once again uh, thank you for all the first time callers that followed me here mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic keep them coming let's you know what to do if we want most first time callers dixon's the man 21 hours